we all discovered that women are not encouraged to use their hands in mechanical stuff. Mm. You're the pink elephant in the room. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Thea Wood. Welcome to Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood, and it is a new day for Women in Music. Today, we're coming at you from Straight Music, Austin's third-generation, family-owned music store that has won the Austin Music Awards Best Instrument Repair Award for four out of the last five years. The secret sauce includes not one, but two female guitar techs, which is kind of like finding a five-leaf clover in this industry. I'm excited to introduce the women who are upstairs, behind the bench, and close to every guitar's heart, Lauren Ellis and Jessica Baker. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hi, Welcome. Yeah, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great today, except for the fact it's a little rainy and cold out, but we're going to make it a sunshine bright day, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Well, we're going to start off for our audience with the shakedown. And the shakedown is a set of six questions that we ask all of our special guests just as kind of a warm up and let people know a little bit more about you. Are you both ready? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, let's hit it. Jessica, who was your first concert? P.J. Harvey. Where? In Kansas at the Cotillion. It was in Wichita. I love her show. I snuck in because I wasn't, I had a fake ID at the time to get in to the show because you had to be 18 and I was not, but it was great. It was fun. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Lauren, what was the first album you bought with your own money? Probably a Credence Clearwater record. I think just the one called Credence Clearwater. Why that one? It just had that bluesy, swampy thing that I love so much. Yeah. Next question. Jessica, which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? It's tough because there's several in my rotation right now. Some big female artists right now, I would say definitely would be Casey Musgraves, Billie Eilish, uh, and oddly enough, like Megan Thee Stallion and Lizzo. But I love that they're all women. <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> Lauren, which woman has had the most influence on your career? In a way, my mother. And it's not because of what she did, but what she didn't do. Because I saw her as being kind of sad. And my father was a star in the family. And she was an, an audience to him. And I thought, I don't want to be sad and be an audience. I want to be doing the exciting thing. So I just pursued things that were interesting to do with my hands or playing music, things that were interesting and exciting to do, because I felt like my mother was sad that she didn't pursue that kind of life. I like that. That's a different take of what we hear from people who talk about their women, and it's very honest. Thank you. Yeah. Jessica, if you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? This is not a musician, but Harriet Tubman, for mm -hmm. sure. I would like to talk to her. Have you seen the movie out? That's, yes. that's probably why it's more current in my mind. But yeah, that movie was incredible and just very inspiring to see what she was willing to do for her people and her country and the bravery and doing what was right. Doing what was right and enormous risk. Absolutely. Yeah. And what risk? Yeah, exactly. It was great. 
Lauren, this is our last shakedown question. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? My next goal is to get some land and start a community of like-minded people living in either tiny houses or any any assortment of homes and uh, having a central home and then everybody can have their satellite homes and we all get old uh, kind of taking care of each other. And that's kind of what I see. It's like the uh, the new commune. Well, we're all so used to communes. I grew up in San Francisco area. So to me, that's not even crazy. Right. I think I'll have the wherewithal to do that in the next five or 10 years. So I just think that's the kind of the way to go and to split the expenses and mm-hmm. live together, talk a lot, just be heartful together. Well, and I think that goes along with what we're talking about economically nowadays with affordability of housing and trying to be more minimalist in our living and whether it's, you know, playing music or doing some other profession, it doesn't matter. Everybody's trying to say, how can we pull back a little bit? Yeah, right. And rebuild community too. That's what we're missing. We're missing community in this in this day and age. I want to start our more in-depth conversation here now that whew, we made it through the shakedown. <laughs> I need a drink. Get a drink. Get a drink. (laughs) We have a lot of people who are listeners who are just music lovers, but not in the music industry. And the big question was, okay, what's the difference between a guitar tech, a backline tech, and a luthier, or some people say luthier? Who would like to tackle that one for me and give me kind of a breakdown for our audience? A luthier traditionally builds instruments. The word comes from lute. In the Renaissance, that was the guitar, was a lute, you know, a 10 or 12 stringed little instrument. You've all seen it in drawings and paintings. So a luthier was a person who built instruments. So I don't consider myself a luthier. I consider myself a technician because I repair and restore them, stringed instruments. And then a backline tech just can tell you what a backline tech is because she's doing a lot of it lately. Oh, <laughs> backline tech is uh, someone who knows gear knows the new products, is able to fix on site, troubleshoot. What is backline? And backline typically is, you know, artists flying in from all over the place. They're not traveling with all this gear. So they hit up a backline company who has the gear, drums, guitars, amps, you know, DJ, anything that they need from a microphone to a DI box. And it's just someone who knows that that language, mm-hmm. knows the gear, brings the gear, and is able to maintenance the gear for the artist. So these are for live performances versus what you do at straight music sitting in an actual workshop and doing your work. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. But I toured with a a number of bands as a guitar tech on the road where I had Mm -hmm. to bring uh, a bench and you set, you know, if you're at a concert, you can look over and you can see the technicians to the side and they're tuning, they're getting ready to hand the artist another instrument And that's another thing, too, where you can travel with the group. That person might not take care of all the back line. They might just be taking care of one of the instrumentalists on stage and doing the guitars. And and that's it's an exciting job because for those three hours that that band is on there, you are in the band because you're responsible for handing them instruments that are in tune. And then at the end, you're the one that has to pack it all up, too. (laughs) While they're off having fun, you're still packing things up. But it's a really great way to go see the world. I've seen a lot of the world through traveling. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a minute. I do want to ask, have each of you 
taken on all three of those types of roles or just some of them? Jessica? Definitely all three. Mm -hmm. Uh, You built a guitar because you went to school. I definitely, through Luthier School, that was requirement to build. And I worked for a couple building companies. Kind of got into the guitar technician thing and found Lauren, who, uh, you know, definitely inspired me and taught me a lot of what I know now and use and apply even in backline stuff and teching. So I've done all of it for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I worked for companies that built instruments. Like when I first moved to Nashville, before I even got there, I had a job lined up in a Dobro resonator guitar company. And so I was the last step in the building of the instruments. But I don't consider that being a luthier. It's still, I don't know, just doing the final touches on an instrument, getting it ready to play. Thank you for clearing that up for people. Because like I said, there's some confusion that happens there. And before we move forward, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with guitar techs, Lauren Ellis and Jessica Baker. Horizon Music Foundation would like to thank Caroline Crawford Consulting for supporting the next generation of women in music. Caroline Crawford is committed to fostering inclusive, growth-oriented leadership and strategies in both the nonprofit and for-profit realms. More information about her services is available at carolinecrawfordconsulting.com. You can help Horizon Music Foundation uplift female trailblazers and rising stars in music. Go to backstagechats.com and click the donate button. For as little as $10 per month, your recurring monthly gift provides the education, experience, and role modeling our next generation of female music makers need to be successful in the music industry. Visit backstagechats.com and click donate. Join our tribe of dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars. And we're back with guitar techs extraordinaire, Jessica Baker and Lauren Ellis at Straight Music in Austin, Texas. We are going to continue our chat about the differences between a guitar tech and a backline tech and a luthier. And Lauren, you were guitar tech for a number of acts, including the Monkees, the Knack, and the Eagles, if I recall correctly. My first gig was a big show for the Eagles in Hollywood where somebody I knew couldn't make it. And so another friend of mine that was on the crew said, you want to come and make some serious money for two days? And I did. And it was, I did want to do all those things. Uh, Anyway, so I was on the side of the stage. It was actually a fundraiser for Bill Clinton's reelection. So I met him. I met Hillary. I met uh, Tom Hanks. They were, everybody was there. Streisand was the main act. And it was unbelievably intense to do guitars for the Eagles. I worked for Don Felder. What would you say are the biggest challenges of dealing with productions of that size and sometimes egos of that size? Let's talk about the egos. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it is hard. And as a woman, they look at you and they expect that you do not know what you're doing. Swear to God. It's hard. And that that was 20 plus years ago when I did that. So as time has gone on, and, and Jessica will agree with this, that uh, there are many more women doing this kind of stuff now. So it's less rare. But I got a lot of vibe off of a certain person on that stage. Now, Joe Walsh came over to me and was just a love bug. But some other people in that band, were so, I could just feel the sexism. But it's gotten better in those years. What about the monkeys? Because they seem so happy-go-lucky. They were fun. But I used to date one of them. So I I got in on the... So I I know those guys. And I did two big tours with them over the years. 
So that's how I got in. Ladies don't always go date the guy to get a gig. <laughs> but uh, he was very close to my heart. And so... And which monkey was that? That was Peter, who just passed away last year. So I met him up in Northern California. And we were tight friends for many, many years after our relationship and just super tight. And that's how I got into that gig. And I kept that gig for a long time. And they were not sexist. Those guys were awesome. Really? Yes. And Well, they felt like they had kind of an imposter syndrome for a while going on too, didn't they? Truly. Truly. Like if people would come up and talk to Peter and say oh, I love you in the in the TV show. He would hate that. He had so wanted to be known for his music, not the television show. But I look, you know, come on, guys. You got the most incredible break ever. You know, that kind of fame, television fame. And crazy fame. audiences. Crazy audiences, wonderful audiences. So Mickey and Mike are still out doing that kind of stuff now. Jessica, when you first started working with Lauren, how did it feel to be with somebody who had, and I know there was a little debate on if it was 39 or 40 years of experience. <laughs> okay, so you're over 40 years of experience. Seven now, how, eight years ago. Seven or eight years you've been together. When you first met her and started working with you, how did that feel? How was your relationship or how did you feel about what's going to happen with this? It was very inspiring and empowering because, you know, I had so been so used to working with males in the industry and apprenticing males and then, you know, which were great. I had great, great teachers, not to say of any of that, but just to see Lauren and hear her stories mm-hmm. and to think, oh, this actually, I could do this, you know, and feeling empowered and inspired by how, what she showed me, stories she had. And yeah, it was great. Would you think of it as a big sister or a mentor, or how would you describe how you felt that that relation started as? At first, a mentor, and now I feel like she's my best friend, you know? Ah, so so sweet! And uh, <laughs> still, mentoring, we're still learning all the time. I'm always, always showing me new things and new ideas and ways to do stuff. The, the cool thing about this kind of art is I started out working on my stuff, and then I met a guy in L.A., Bill Asher, And I started working with him. He became my mentor. But he had come from another guy named Rick Turner, who's like the hot dog of guitar repair people and builders. He has his line of Turner guitars. And everybody learns from somebody and they pass on these tricks. And the problem is, I think you need to learn that from a real person. Mm -hmm. And you can go online and learn how to freaking do this and that. But it's so awesome to be in a workshop with somebody who knows more than you that's the way to do it. So I show her stuff and then the guy downstairs shows me stuff. You have to learn with a community of how to do this. Yeah. We tell my son all the time, remember, always surround yourself with people who know things that you don't. Yes. Right. And sometimes you say smarter than you, but usually it's just experience and and what they've figured out along the way. This was interesting as I was doing my research in 2018, Fender released the results of a study saying that 50% of new guitar players are women. And I'm wondering, do you both see that reflected in the people who are coming in and out of straight stores? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. We get so many women. Of course, they seek us out, too. When they find out that we're here, they want to come here. We had a girl come in yesterday. She goes, I'm, she's taking this class from a gal in town named Mandy Rowden. She has this girl guitar deal. She has these big classes of women and girls only, and they learn how to play guitar. Because when you take the guys out of it, the freedom shows up. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to be against girls' schools too. 
And then I, I just saw how much a girl will learn without having boys around because we get distracted by all that. So anyway, Mandy teaches this school and all those women come to us for their repair. But girls downstairs, they've seen Cheryl Crow. They've seen PJ Harvey. They've seen Alanis Morissette. They've seen super powerful women, uh, Taylor Swift. They get up there and they play. And so they didn't have the thing I did where I, when I was a teenager, there was nobody. Bonnie Raitt was still playing. I don't want to say how old I am, but Bonnie Raitt was still playing acoustic guitar when I saw her play. I didn't want to be a folk singer. I wanted to play electric guitar and there was nobody to look at doing that. And now everybody's doing it. And I see guys bringing their daughters in. There's no weirdness. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just so cool. And same, you know, on, on the other side, like she was saying, you see fathers going, yeah, I want my daughter to play guitar. I want her to play drums, where that was not a common thing for me growing up. You know, even in school band, that sort of thing, girls weren't drummers or they, they were playing flute, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and that's what dad encouraged them to play, you know, cello, get did different direction. And also same with backline and that sort of thing. Now, you, there's so many more female artists that are huge and big right now in the industry and they're hiring female engineers, female backline, female mm. guitar techs. There's bigger, more of a community. I've found like a lot of the gigs I get are for female artists. Right. And there's yeah, just so yeah. many more mm-hmm. players that, uh, and we kind of are sticking together. And we, we see it in the shop here too. More girls are coming in to get their guitar yeah. fixed from a female. And that kind of leads to my next question is, is there a support group for female guitar techs? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I only know a few. There's a, a gal uh, in L.A., I guess she's still working, named Tina Wood. She's been doing this as long as I have. And she's also in an ACDC cover band where she's Malcolm. I oh, mean, wonderful. unbelievable. You know, okay, I was interviewed once for a guitar magazine on why are there so few female lead guitar players. Mm-hmm. And I'm a lead guitar player mm-hmm. and play slide. And we all discovered that women are not encouraged to use their hands in mechanical stuff. Mm. And if you're playing guitar, you kind of have to have pedals. And if you have pedals, you kind of have to have an amp. Mm-hmm. And these things need you to have this desire to be mechanical. Mm-hmm. And most women still aren't. It's not really the woman's thing kind of to do that. And I wonder how much of that is still kind of reinforced in school where we are taught to, you know, like, okay, well, I'm going to do an art class instead of going into mechanics class, auto mechanics or something like that. For girls. There was, and you know, when I was a kid, we went into home ec and the guys had wood shop, Mm -hmm. but my dad was an inventor. So he taught me how to do stuff. So I bet that there's less of that. And Jessica, with you, because you were saying in the video that I watched for straight music that, you know, there aren't as many women. And I think it's because it's so mechanical. How did you become comfortable being mechanical? I was grateful to have my grandpa and my father and some other, the men in my family were very mechanical, you know, worked and built airplanes, built motorcycles and cars. And we were always in the shop and woodworking was a thing. And my great grandma was a real Rosie the Riveter. She worked, you know, she's worked for uh, Boeing for 50 years and built all those airplanes. And her opinion was, you know, you're going to build airplanes for wars. You're going to be, that's what women did. And so she taught me how to solder and we would take in apart radios and all sorts of stuff. And that's how I learned about tubes and stuff like that. And so I was very fortunate to be raised in an environment where tools were put in my hand very young and taught how to do that and wood shop and soldering and all that stuff was a thing. But that was just my family, not necessarily school education didn't teach me that. And I do love the influence of the 
father figures and, and the men in your life? Because yes, it, you know, people think, oh, strong women all the time and strong mentors, but it really takes the guys to step up too and be a part of that. And I think both of your stories show that influence. Lauren, I have to ask, when you were doing all of these road productions with the bigger acts, back in the day, sex, drugs, and rock and roll were a huge part of that, at least from the reputation standpoint. Is that what you really saw happening behind the scenes or backstage? Or was that more of eh, more, more of a myth? And how did it make you feel? It feels odd to be a woman and see what, what lengths some women will go through to be with these men. But I was lucky. A bunch of the monkeys were married men, so they weren't dallying around. The knack were all just, I don't know, they weren't either. So I was lucky, but I have girlfriends, my peers, who were in some of these big bands because I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. And the stuff they saw, they say, just made them ill. You know, the women hanging out. And, you know, groupies, it's just, it's age old. You know what's funny about that is that men are not great audiences for women. Like, a girl group can go out, and the kind of guys that are geeking about girls are kind of geeky guys in a way. <laughs> I don't know, because men don't make great audiences. If they, if they want to approach me, they're intimidated by me, whereas uh, women will go up to men, and if they can do the sex number, they can maybe get in that fold. Mm-hmm. It's just a different role, and that, that hasn't changed much. But I think the drugs have changed a lot. You can't do this pace and be high. Or doing coke or anything. Um, like we that. found a lot of people have died very young as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. People are straighter now. The bands can't stand for it. These productions are so huge and so expensive now. If somebody has to cancel because they're screwed up, it costs so much. I, th- I think yeah. people are, are more together now than they were in the excesses of the 70s. I would like to think that as well from what I have seen, for sure. What was one of the craziest work-related or most memorable work-related experiences that you could share with our audience? Probably the fact that for years I got a job to go to auto plants, teach classes to the United Auto Workers. What were they like to work with? They were great. They were bored. Oh my God. This guy approached me and he had this company that taught classes to the UAW because there's a fund and they can use some money that they put away to take alternative education classes. So this guy was a musician. He thought, what about what if we could teach them how to take care of guitars? So it became the most popular class they had in this thing for four years. And they would fly me to auto plants. And I would stand in order to attract people to take the class, because I made a lot of money the more people that were there. I would stand on the assembly line with a Carvin guitar, because that's what we used, and an amp. And I would just play guitar all day while the cars were going by in these stinky plants in front of all these people that are going like this all day. And then we'd sign them up and I would teach them. And they loved it. A lot of musicians in Detroit, you're from Detroit, a lot of musicians in the upper, I've taught in all over Ohio as well, all those auto plants. And so a lot of musicians, and they wanted to learn how to set their guitar up, how to restring it. And it was a two-day class. And by the time they left, their eyes were spinning with all the stuff that I showed them about just everything. How to set up, we would set up a guitar from start to finish. They usually bought the guitar from Carvin. And I would think that they would be pretty mechanically inclined and pick up pretty Very quickly because of their work, right? Very interested in that. Lots of girls would come and take that class. Mm-hmm. It was cool. That was a really good, good thing. And then the, the, when the union blew up during the big crash, all the classes were done with. 
And how about you, Jessica? What are one of your most interesting or memorable experiences as a guitar tech? Recently, this last year, ACL. ACL, okay. Yeah. That whole experience, just multiple stages, lots of big artists that I was working for at the time, and just the amount of pressure. You're the pink elephant in the room, you know, you're the female on stage, and they're like, can she really do that? Oh, she can really, you know. But also, too, just being able to work with some of these artists and make those connections and the amount of pressure it was, was pretty incredible. Casey Musgraves was one. Lizzo. Lizzo. Did you work with Billy? And I worked with Billy and uh, Kaliuchis and, and some other acts, too, that are, like, up and coming that a lot of people don't even know about. Who was your favorite of those? Scary Pool. Or scary Pool Scare. I can't remember. But he's a big artist right now, keyboard player, guitar player. And his music's real inspiring. A lot of youth mm-hmm. like it. And he talks about, in his music, he talks about, you know, learning to love yourself and being inspired and, you know, fulfill your dreams. There's a lot of dreamers also that kind of follow his type of music. And it was really fun. And live drums and guitars and keyboards. There's a lot of stuff now. It's DJ what? stuff. A lot of EDM. You know, and that's where I, I worked for a lot of those kinds of people too, but mm-hmm. huge crowds. But it was just kind of cool to see some of that stuff where this, you know, this music is inspiring kids. You know, same like Billy. This music really helps kids get through what they're going through and what the future may look like for them. So does this mean that you'll, you would do it again next year? I absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're talking about artists, and both of you are artists in your own right. And Lauren, you play here in Austin frequently with your band Three Chord Rodeo. And previously, you played solo and with a lot of other well-known bands from L.A. to Nashville. Plus, I found this interesting, you had an audition with the other ones, which was a post-Jerry Garcia version of The Grateful Dead, which I'm a big fan of. I see all the cover bands. I see J-Rad. I see the local one here, Dead Eye, that plays Minglewood, all these bands. So anyway, I love them. And I had to ask, first of all, which instrument did you audition for? Guitar, Guitar. for sure. And then how many instruments do you play in Please Name? Well, I play guitar and slide guitar in open tunings, like dobro style. I play bass guitar. I used to play violin. I play pedal steel and lap steel. I'm learning pedal steel, which is very hard. makes my brain explode. But I'm in a band where I get to play at half the the gig is pedal steel. I'm 50-50 in that band, a telecaster. It's country music, so I'm playing a telly and and pedal steel in that band. It's really fun. There's so much to learn because most pedal steel players started when they were three, and I waited way too long. You know, I wanted to hit on something, too, when you were talking to Jess about... One of the reasons that women are having just are slower on the uptake is we didn't have, when we were kids, we didn't have the uh, encouragement to be in a garage band. Mm -hmm. Like somebody was saying the other day, oh yeah, I I was playing that when I was 13. And I thought, wow, I didn't play in a band till I was 20. And those seven years of not feeling like, how would I even play in a band? Mm -hmm. It wasn't even open to me to do that. That's seven years that retards in the traditional sense, retards women's growth as players and everything else. And it's too bad. So maybe if girls can be in that girl guitar and play when they're younger, they have a chance to just get going earlier because those, that 10,000 hours theory, it's so true. Mm -hmm. And that seven years is your 10,000 hours. And Jessica, did you ever play in a garage band? I did. Yay. (laughs) You did? I did. What instrument? Um, I played drums. 
Of course. Okay, so you play drums. What else do you play? Keys, keyboard, synths, um, guitar, bass. I kind of like all the colors of the paint rainbow. Drums was definitely, and it still is my primary instrument, besides, and piano. And recently you've been playing with Mount Gray, is that right? Yes, them and Screamin' Jay is another group. A couple other artists in town, of course, play with as well. Would you ever start your own band? I have, and have definitely done my own stuff, but now, right now, no. <laughs> I'm too busy. <laughs> Well, the good news is, is that you can all do your own guitar tech work and when you're on the road or wherever you need to be, right? That seems to be the thing, too, with me. I don't know. Probably Lauren doesn't get to be like, oh, you can fix stuff, too. You're in the band. You're like, no, that's not what I was. I bought a van. I have a van, too. So oh, I really yeah. did oh, it up. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, what do they call it? They always say, what do you call a male musician without a girlfriend? Homeless. And? Carless. 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 Yep. <laughs> Truth. Exactly. Well, okay, before we wrap up, I want to ask each of you, and Lauren, we'll start with you. What advice do you have for women who are going either into the music industry or some other male-dominated profession? Oh, God, I don't know. Just do it and get ready for some of the stuff. In the news right now is Harvey Weinstein. You know, this stuff has been around. It's primal. Men are the power figures, and women have a tendency to try to use their sexuality to get somewhere. And you have to break through that and make a decision on what you're going to do and how you're going to, you need to be careful about how you dress if you want to be taken seriously. You kind of have to become one of the boys. And it's hard. I've always been a tomboy, but I, I love men. So it's, it's just a weird thing you have to do. But don't go in there looking all sexy and try to be taken seriously. You sort of have to become one of the boys. Mm-hmm. And being in a band is a great way to do that. Yeah. Like my band, we're like brothers and sisters. These guys would take care of me in a minute. I'm their sister. That's how that works. So just be careful about that aspect. But it's not gone away. It's still there because it's just primal. And how about you, Jessica? For me, same. It's over-sexualized. So you have to just really kind of be careful in how you speak and how you present yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another key thing for me has also been, I always joke, no more than the boys. Know your shit. You know, learn new technology, what's coming out, no products, try to learn as much as you can and absorb what you're seeing, listen more and watch more. And some of these like things they want to show you like, oh, look at this, do this and absorb that and don't be in the backseat or be scared to tap into that technology and like learning because that's going to put you ahead of the game and that's going to get you the gig because you know more and you're running circles around everybody else and they notice that. So I feel like that's been a key thing. For and there's me. usually a guy. There's a lot Always. of guys on the road yeah. that just go, this is the coolest thing. I'm going to take her under my wing and I'm going to mm-hmm. show her. Absolutely. And that's how I got the Eagles show that time. So there are some great men out there that want to help you. Same. They're like, Jess, she knows what she's doing. Ask her, go to her. Or, oh, hey, Jess, can you do this? You know, and they, they contract you out because they know you. You know, there's men who definitely support that and are like, yeah, this is who you want on the gig and definitely mm-hmm. helps too. And we always say this isn't a man haters club. Mm-hmm. This is just about getting equal opportunity so that we can have merit-based success. Right, right. And that's really what it comes down to. But we're, we're climbing uphill. We have a little a harder road to get there. And traditionally that's been how it is, but 
our new motto is it's a new day for women in music and we're seeing a lot of strides. And I think sharing stories like yours helps us. Mm -hmm. And I would like to thank you so much for allowing me into your workshop here at Straight Music. This is so amazing and allowing me to take pictures and, and, you know, again, sharing these stories is what helps change because we give inspiration to the next generation who we are really big in supporting through education, through experience and through exposure. And that's what this is all about. Thank you so much, Lauren Ellis, Jessica Baker. I am thrilled to have you both here and in the same room and in the same (laughs) workshop. This is so wonderful. Why do we love your stories? Because women like you remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock stars. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Thea Wood signing out from Straight Music in Austin, Texas. It's a wrap. Audio engineering for this episode was provided by Podcast Engineers. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today.